Hello, and welcome to Firmly Grasp It, a podcast about sports and all its being. I am your host, Evan Greenberg. For today's episode, we have two guests. First one being my main podcast guest, my co-host, you know him as the King of Jordan, Sammy Alshawabke. Sammy, how are you? Doing well. How are you doing? Doing well. And joining us today, he is our first-time guest. He is joining the Neighborhood Pack. He is the second neighbor that we've had on this podcast, a little older than the first one that we had. Coming all the way from the other two doors down from Zach is Johnson John. Johnson, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good, Evan. Thanks for having me here. Sammy, good to meet you here. Uh, nice excited to, meet you. to do my very first podcast. Yeah, it's a it's fun. It's just something that we like to do. We've been trying to get as many people as we can on, especially for these draft grades, getting as many different people for any different perspectives on different teams. Absolutely. We have you on for the Texans, so I wanted to ask you how, what was the reason that we, that me and you kind of collectively decided that you should do the Houston Texans? Yeah, well, I was standing outside with my uh, Texans sweatshirt, and you said, hey, how about you do the Texans? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, outside of that, my, my wife is a, a Houston native. She grew up in Texas, in, in Houston, lived there most of her life. Her family's still down there. We go down there once or twice a year. So Texans fans all around us, you know, football is huge down in Houston. College football is big. So when I'm, my wife herself isn't a huge football fan, but she roots for the Texans and she's got uh, family and friends that are, that are big Texans fans. So when I'm there or when I'm talking to them, it's Texans, you know, having some Texans knowledge and uh, is a good thing. And cheering for the Texans, uh, whether it's real or not, is never a bad thing when you want to make good with the Weiss family. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this podcast will get you good brownie points. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) I'm going to be sure to let her family know that I did a Texans podcast. Perfect. And you're a Jets fan at heart, correct? Yeah, I'm more of a Jets fan. I'll root for the Giants, too. I I root for like all the local teams. But yeah, definitely more of a Jets fan long-suffering Jets fan. I, I, I'm old, but but the Jets, the last time the Jets won a championship was older than me, so... I feel like our trend of guests that we have who are Jets fans have all said the same thing, that they've said they're unfortunately a Jets fan. Interesting, <laughs> a nice that's, trend here. <laughs> Edan's a little bit more positive, but I, that's why I don't consider him a real Jets fan. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do... I do root for the Jets and well you know now that Tom Brady's not in our division anymore may, maybe we'll have some good Stidham time. 2020 <laughs> no no Sammy's a Patriots fan oh okay okay I I, I kind of thought uh, Sammy was somewhere in the uh, in the New England area yeah I uh, grew up in this area most of my life originally from Louisiana but oh all all grew up my life up here so all Boston sports and New England sports wow well had a lot to uh, be happy about over the last, I don't know, what, 10, 15 years, 20 years? That mixed in with uh, occasional LSU in there. It's been fun. Oh, wow. Lucky guy. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, no LSU picks in the, uh, for the Houston Texans draft for you to celebrate. No, yeah, no. so it's already an F, F, F grade overall. Uh, I'm already saying <laughs> no, uh, F overall. We, we went over this. It, the fact that Bill O'Brien did not draft a LSU player is one of the least surprising things that we've seen. I believe, and did, wasn't the Texans one of like the four teams that don't have an LSU player in their entire roster? Yep. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. Uh, bad GMs don't have LSU players. It's a constant trend. Dave Gettleman being another one for the listeners. <laughs> so, yeah. Johnson, I want 
Well, we, before we get into the pre-draft needs and the draft grades, I wanted to ask you for your grading methodology. What? How did you come up with the grades for each of the Texans picks? So basically, I, I kind of just you kind of look to see what what they need as far as what what I felt their weaknesses were um, last year and last couple of years, where they kind of fell short in the playoffs, and if I felt like they were if that pick specifically addressed that need. So, I mean, without giving it away too much, you, you know, last year, I think we all know what happened with the Chiefs in the playoffs. I had a big lead, and I think you know, most teams surrender big leads to the Chiefs. But I think at that point, you want to get focus on defense a little bit. So I think I was kind of looking for that. And then, then with the DeAndre Hopkins move, I, th- I felt they should kind of shore that up. So if those if the picks were kind of in line with that, that would give them a, a higher rating, I think. And that was, you know, that was kind of my bias uh, in, in how I grade. And so do you do letter grades or some other grading system? No, I, I, just, I just kind of went with, you know, what I saw most other people doing with just letter grades. Okay. Yeah, Sammy does letter grades as well. He does his on a combination of need, the value relative to where they were drafted, and then some comparable players that they could have taken at their respective time. Okay. Well, I do a check system. A check it just means that the player hits a position of need for a team, and then it's a plus if myself, combined with the consensus of other people, felt that it was great value, a zero if it doesn't if it's average, and then a minus if it's negative value. So a check plus is the best. That means they hit a need and was great value, and a minus means it didn't hit a need and it was a reach. And it can be between check, check plus, check plus, check, zero, check minus or minus. Got it. Okay, cool. That's pretty elaborate, Evan. Thanks. <laughs> I tried to keep, I tried to keep it objective because there have been certain picks. If you listen to our Jets one, where I felt very strongly about one Mackay Becton, <laughs> but I understood where the pick was coming from, and therefore gave it a more grade that aligned with what other people felt. Got it. Okay. Very good. So if you listen, if you listen to the tape, if you rewind it, you'll see how I felt about him. So if uh-huh. he ends up being a bust, I can use that. Okay. But if he ends up being an okay player, you could you can go back to my grade, and that'll cover me as well. <laughs> Excellent, good. You got you got all all, all your bases covered. Exactly. That's the whole goal of this podcast to get my right. opinions out there for everyone to know and hopefully forget if they're bad and remember. If they're <laughs> Let's move on to their pre-draft needs. I'll just list them off, and then you guys will tell me whether you had the same or different. I didn't have too many. I only had tight end right tackle, defensive end, and linebacker. Sammy, did you have same or different since you weren't on the Texans? Well, I also had D-tackle and cornerback. Okay. Yeah, I think I was okay with corner at the time, and D-tackle I could see. I mean, when when cornerback, they have Vernon Hargreaves, then, yeah, they need help back there. Fair enough. And Johnson, did you have, what did you have? So I was uh, I was thinking uh, along the defensive line, yeah, defensive tackle. I also, so, yeah, more along the defensive side, but with the loss of, you know, DeAndre Hopkins and with the wealth of wide receivers in this year's class, I also thought that they would probably try to, sh- you know, grab uh, a receiver earlier on. So that's what I was thinking were, were the needs that I felt that they had because uh, you have a superstar quarterback like Deshaun Watson, and I always like to see a you know, superstar receiver on the other side if if they were able to get that, um, which, as we find out, that wasn't the direction that they went in. 
but yeah, that was kind of my. No. Or now you have a superstar quarterback. <laughs> Knowing <laughs> Bill O'Brien, that could change. <laughs> this is true. And their wide receiver class, even though it's not star-studded, it is pretty deep with Fuller, Cook, Stills, and they just signed Randall Cobb to a lot of money. And the reason, I guess, with cornerback, I didn't, because I thought Gary and Conley, they probably, he's a younger guy, they still probably have some hope for. And then they also have Bradley Roby. Not that's true, but you could yes. probably use some help, but yeah. Yeah, third cornerback wouldn't hurt them, for sure. But I wasn't as, I get, like, if especially if their competition is the Chiefs, yes, they need a third cornerback. But with their division, I'm not as worried. Right. That's right. true. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I think within the division, maybe not so much. But, yeah, if you want to get out of the AFC, certainly at least in the immediate future, it seems like it would have to go through Kansas City and that high-powered offense. Absolutely. Either them or Baltimore are the top yeah. two teams right now. I forget about Baltimore. That's right. Yeah, let's move on to their draft picks. They did not have a first-round pick, which is remarkable considering that they traded DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> and they only got right, a second right. out of it. Yeah, yeah, which this... is – I almost had to do, like, a double take on that when I was reviewing, you know, everything because certainly when the DeAndre Hopkins trade went down, it was, it was a shocker, but – I couldn't remember that they did not get a first round for that. Yeah, they thought that David Johnson was worth it to bump it down to a round tour. And they traded from two first rounders from the Laramie Tunsil trade, which that extension was something else. I guess that's what happens when you trade two first round picks for a young left tackle that you have to fork over $22 million a year. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> crazy their first pick though second round 40th overall they took ross blacklock defensive lineman on the interior out of tcu yeah. johnson we'll start with you what were your thoughts and grade on this pick so well I, I i think i let me just say i think i read somewhere that he's from missouri city texas which happens to be janice's exact hometown so that right there gave him uh, some points <laughs> everything that i've read I, I can't lie and say that i i know a whole lot about him but the things that I've read about him, and I've watched a couple of uh, videos earlier today. He seems like a, a good, solid first pick, um, second, so second round pick number 40. I would give it about a B, B plus. Like I said, I think he, he went to TCU, right? They, they mm-hmm. said that he had a pretty good, he's a pretty good pass rusher, pretty good athlete, and, and I think uh, from what I understand, the Texans, that is an area where the Texans struggled in getting to the quarterback. And I think in that regard, having Russ Blacklock will definitely uh, help, help help that with that problem. So, yeah, I, I would go with B, B+. Plus. Sammy, I'm guessing you're going to feel similar considering you had defensive tackle as a need. Yeah, I had this as a B-plus pick. I felt that he fills the need on that defensive line that... I think was one of the worst in generating pressure on the quarterback last yeah. season. And what he brings, he's he's uh, definitely considered him as a potential late first rounder. I believe we mentioned him a few times around this time in the second round anyway. So value-wise, he's fits perfectly. The only thing that might be a little concerning was he had a Achilles injury that hurt him a couple of years ago from playing and developing. So if, if you want to be concerned of hopefully he doesn't re-aggravate that injury because Achilles injury is very, can very deter your growth long-term. So if he's able to develop and play for a long time, then this would be a great pick for the Texans. Overall, 
I mean, I, I'm, I'm with a B plus. The only concern is, is you know, there were a couple other players. If you wanted to go defensive line, then yes, this guy was probably the next best after Derek Brown. But if you wanted to fill in any of the other needs, it's. I think it's all right. I, I'm trying to think of other reasons, but no, this is, this is not, not a bad pick at all. It's a B plus. Well, you're forgetting Javon Kinlaw in terms of better defensive tackles. Oh, yeah, but I mean, uh, Kinlaw and, yeah, Brown. Well, they were already gone. Well, you said Brown, and I was like, eh, Kinlaw is definitely better as well. I'm well, if Kinlaw was available at 40, that'd be something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why defensive tackles went as high as it did in this draft. It seemed there was a lot of them that went in this, like, mid-late, second round and early third round there were a few of them and none of them were incredible college players like kinlaw and brown were blackhawk only really played his 2019 season at tcu due to that achilles injury you mentioned in 2018 and he had a solid year he had three and a half sacks nine tackles for loss was a first team all big 12 but we're also talking about the big even though tcu is the best defense in the big 12 and has been since they moved there it's not like his stats were incredible. A couple of his, one of his sacks was against Kansas, which is basically irrelevant. Uh, it doesn't count. <laughs> it doesn't, shouldn't count. He's a fine player. I just don't, I get, we had him projected here. I'm just questioning the overall value of that position where certain other ones like guard and guard, especially fell a lot more where the interior of the defensive line seemed to just be up higher than it would be in normal years. I gave it a zero. I just didn't have the interior of the defensive line as I need more the outside to yeah. complement JJ Watt as, with another pass rusher. So it's a zero. I didn't love it. I, get, I understand why they did it. His upside, I guess, is pretty high. He's a decent athlete, but nothing incredible. He guess he has the upside to be maybe a five sack a year guy, but he's not going to be anything higher than that. And as Sammy mentioned, there is the injury risk. I would have probably preferred someone like Jordan Elliott or Neville Gallimore at this position over Blacklock. Both of those guys were still available and went, I believe both of them went in the third round. I, yeah, they did. I mean, you also had Raquan Davis as well as a potential tackle, defensive tackle in this round as well. Only a few picks after him, I think. Yeah, but Davis was a, we felt he was a reach. So I'm not going to, I had him as a late third round guy. Blacklock, I had higher than him. I think the thing is, is that there were other guys available if you wanted to address other positions. Like you did have, if you wanted a, a rusher, you have a Pensa. Or you had, uh, if you wanted to look at the cornerbacks that I mentioned, you had Trevon Diggs and Jalen Johnson or Bryce Hall. Those guys were still all available. If they didn't feel that there was too much value with the tackle position. Yeah, clearly they did not. I, I Should have taken Bryce Hall. But... I could have taken Bryce Hall, but we're not. Bryce Hall is not getting taken until the fifth round, and that's going to stay final. Their next pick, moving on to the third round, 90th overall, they took Jonathan Greener, defensive end out of Florida. Sammy, we'll start with you here first. What were your thoughts and grade on this pick? I also really like this pick and think it's a really good fit for where, in terms of his value, where he's drafted. We mentioned him many times, him with Zuniga as second rounder, mid mid to late second round guys, early third round guys. So value is, is all right. And what he brings, I mean, the one year that he played with Florida, he led the team in sacks and tackles, and that Florida defense was just incredible. Like, was one of one of the top in the country. Not not Nothing too amazing, but it was one to be afraid of last season. And just his ability, it's... 
really speaks for itself. He's fast. He's strong. I would consider his partner, Zuniga, to be the better one between the two of them. But Greener doesn't have the health problems like Zuniga has. So I, I, I like this pick. It's, it's a B plus. Well, I just wanted to mention, I didn't notice this until now. On my pre-draft, I mentioned Ross Blacklock to the Texans as one of my potential guys. Yeah, I was actually, I, I thought you were already aware of that. Yeah, I noted that last night when I was listening to your podcast that you uh, that you and uh, Pat, I think both of you had mentioned uh, mentioned him. So, good call. Yeah, that's possible. I also, I think part of the reason is, as I'm looking back, I can't read my handwriting and I, can't, I couldn't <laughs> tell probably when I was rewriting if I wrote DL or DE and then I just changed it to DE when I wrote it the second time and it was probably DL. So I guess yeah. I'm going to make that Blackhawk tip pick a check. It's going to be my first ever just re-revised pick <laughs> mid-podcast. <laughs> That's a good job with that. Going back to the greener pick, I'm pretty much in agreement with you. I like the pick here. He was a guy that we had in the mid-late third round. I was hoping I had mentioned him here, and I did not. But he was a solid player at Florida. We talked about him and Jabari Zuniga kind of just on the opposite sides of that Florida defensive line. And how Zuniga had the much better upside, but Greener is a guy who has the potential to play right away and put up decent numbers. He won't be a double-digit sack guy, most likely, but he can give you seven, eight sacks consistently season for season. And now that they're really adjusting the defensive end side, the second defensive end next to J.J. Watt when he's healthy has always had solid production just due to all the pressure on that other side. And now you're just adding a second defensive lineman to pair with Blackhawk, to pair with Watt, and you're rebuilding that formidable line that was the staple of their defense for several years. I'm a fan of this pick. I gave it just a check because the value is right in line, but it was a solid pick for me. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, for me, I would kind of, I would say, uh, it's, yeah, it's also a, a B plus. Again, I, I think maybe not so much within their division, but once, once if you want to get, get out of the AFC, you're going to need to put pressure on the quarterback. And I think he definitely helps in that regard. What I've read about him is he, he does have uh, speed and strength, strong hands, I think is also what, what I, I what I read. I, I, I think it's a good pick. I don't have any reason to not really like it. And the consensus from the things that I've read and other people that I've listened to, it seems to be, uh, uh, I, I, I would give it about a, a B, B plus. I think I, I'd go with Sammy on that. Um, yeah, he's probably, he's probably good for about, I think I agree with you. I mean, he's probably good for about six, seven sacks. I think it will... A fill uh, a need that that's important important for the Texans, especially if they hope to make a, a deep run within the playoffs. But I think it was a good pick, especially in third round number ninety. I think it's a good value. Yeah, they could have done a lot worse for sure. Their next pick, fourth round, they had two fourth round picks. First one, one hundred twenty sixth overall, they took Charlie Heck, tackle out of UNC. I'll go first on this one. I gave it a check, the third check in a row I had. He's a guy I actually kind of like. His issue is that, he, I mean, he's he's 6'8". Guy is huge. One of the tallest players in this entire draft. And there are obviously problems that will present being that size. Some mobility issues for sure. But his dad is actually an NFL offensive line coach, which shows that he is knowledgeable with the position. He's dedicated to it. He's probably been practicing it all his life. Isn't that the Chiefs? Yes, I believe so. He was a three-year starter at UNC. So he provided a lot of experience there. Not that UNC is some great offensive talent, but he should be able to be in a... He's not going to be an incredible right tackle, but he fits the need of right tackle. And he should be able to play there year one and at least be competent early on because the Texans 
right side of the offensive line. Their offensive line has been one of their Achilles heels for the last couple of years. This past year, it was better than it had been. But that right side of the line, that right tackle in particular, needed to be shored up. And you're hoping that with the fourth round pick, he can be there. I'm pretty content with this pick. I'm going to give it a check. Johnson? I think it was it was a, an okay pick. He's on the offensive line. I it, Again, it wasn't really an area of need that, that stuck out with me. But certainly, you know, having good offensive offensive line protection. If you have, you know, if you want to protect someone like Deshaun Watson, that's important. Quarterback that that moves around in the pocket, you want to do what you can to protect him. So in that regard, and round four, what was the pick number? One hundred twenty-six, I think. Yep. Yeah. So I think when you look at it from that perspective, I, I'm not. Again, from what I've read, I'm not that high on on him per se. I think he, he's a good player. I mean, certainly if you're going to get drafted, you're going to be uh, a good player. I, I've read that he's he's pretty big and he's uh, uh, athletic. But I think for round four, pick number 126, I would say that was pretty good value. I, I would, I'd give it about a B. Again, it's uh, offensive line help is not what I felt the Texans really needed. But uh, in, for a fourth round pick, I think, you know, uh, I think it was fine. So, again, I, I, I'd give it about a B. And he provides good competition. Last year, they drafted their right tackle, Titus Howard, in the first round. But he struggled a lot last year. That was why I felt that position in particular could use at least some competition. I don't know if they'll start right away just due to that high draft capital given to Howard last year. Mm-hmm. But at least you're giving somebody else who has a different level of experience and hopefully is more of a competent player and won't. Won't be as heavily penalized. That was Howard's biggest issue. He was one of the most penalized offensive linemen in the entire league. Oh, but, wow, Sam, what were your thoughts? Well, Howard, he was also injured a lot last season, too. Him and, I believe, the backup was Max Sharping. They were both being rotated in and out on right tackle because he was just – they were constantly being injured. So I think if you're going to get a depth piece, at least someone who would be a little more reliable. But – in terms of value, I feel like when you take into account that they traded up to pick uh, Heck, I am not a fan of that move. They probably could have just let him fall to them without giving up two picks in the first place. For, for Charlie Heck, I think if I wanted to draft an offensive lineman for the Texans, I wish I, they would have went more with the guard, considering what were the guards available. And tackle is, I feel like he's just more of a depth piece than really feeling a need. Yeah. I mean, for I was me, okay with their guard picks. That was, I guess, the difference where I felt... So they needed depth at right tackle, considering, as you said, it was a position that just helped... I feel like they could use a right here. guard, though. They definitely could use a right guard. Yeah. With Zach Fulton on the guard now, I'm... I don't know. Fulton's competent. He's Maybe they could go with a higher upside guy. And there were good, as we mentioned, guards fell a lot. You could have that reasoning. I'm not going to argue with that too much. I understand where you're coming from. I mean, given all that and where he came from and his ability at UNC, I'm, I'm a little lower than you guys on the pick. I, I have this more of a, of a C-plus range. I feel that tackle, given how many other spots and all the positions that were filled with more players that could probably be used on day one, still available just didn't sit with me with them drafting a, a tackle. I feel like tackle is probably the safer need, given the other needs they have. Yeah, I mean, it is a safe need. and I, But that's they hit needs with their first two picks, saying the defensive line. 
tight end, they guess they didn't really like anybody here or in the draft in general. And that really left, for me at least, right tackle or linebacker, and they decided to hit tackle here. I'm not, it can't be upset with this pick. Let's move on to their next pick. Fourth round, 141 overall. They took John Reed, cornerback out of Penn State. Sammy, you'll start here on this one. Your thoughts are great on John Reed. Also, not entirely high on, on John Reed. I believe they also, did they also trade up to pick him as well? Am I, am I misreading my notes here? I think so. They traded, they got pick 141 from the Dolphins as a draft day trade. So that was this pick, John Reed. Yeah, that sounds right. I just think that they could have gotten him without giving up any capital. It's the same thing with, with Charlie Heck. They probably could have gotten both of these guys without giving up any more draft pieces and be able to just draft more depth pieces if we're going to go guys for depth in general. And in, in terms of John Reed, he wasn't exactly that amazing out of Penn State. He's he's smart, and he probably would fit more as a slot cornerback, if anything. And he's fast and quick. But overall, I, I think, honestly, I think given who they have, you know, we mentioned they could use a third cornerback. I think if he does fit in that slot corner spot, he probably could start early in the season, if not not day one exactly, but definitely could see him as a starter soon. So given that, but the value, it's mixed with me. I want to give it an A. I also want to give it a C. So I'm giving it a B. <laughs> right in the middle. That's how you got to do it. Law of averages, right? <laughs> exactly. Johnson, what were your thoughts on this pick? Yeah, I think I'm going to I'm gonna go with a B on this one as well. Again, not not cornerback, not an, an area where I, I thought the Texans had a, had a huge need. But, but at the same time, you know, I keep going back to it. I think, you know, if you want to get out of the AFC and the Texans have been a solid playoff team, I think for the last, I don't know, however many years they've been in the playoffs, but they just cannot get past the uh, the elite teams. And with the NFL being, you know, more pass oriented, you know, outside of the Titans, right? Everybody passes. And, and, and I think it's, you know, having good depth at cornerback is a good thing. I think I read that this was the first pick ever from Penn State that the Texans have ever drafted. I think it's I think it's a pretty good pick. John Reed seems to be what I've read is he's he's a, he's fast. He's uh he covers well in the slot and I don't and again it's fourth fourth round 141st pick. I don't have too much of a problem with it. I think he will help them. So again, I'm, I'm going to stick with a B on this one. I I don't love the pick really much at all. He's at best a slot cornerback. He's only 5'10", 181 pounds. On the draft network, there are cons for him. The first line lacks size, length, and play strength, oh which presents <laughs> present matchups, and he's likely a slot only, despite some nice work outside in college. And that's where I guess I see him, and as a third cornerback, maybe it makes sense. But not even with the trade, I did feel like it was a reach in general. They could have gotten him later in the draft with the fifth or sixth round as his upside of being a cornerback on the outside is basically non-existent, being 5'10". And I don't even... If you're looking at him, for example, just trying to be your third or fourth cornerback against the Chiefs, I don't even know who we'd match up with. He's not fast enough to go with their speed guys. He's not big enough to go with their bigger guys. They're, he's just kind of in no man's land. In certain situations, certain nickel packages, dime packages, maybe he can be a useful player but i only see him as a sub package guy i don't expect him to play too much maybe that yeah on the third down plays where it's clearly passed other than that i don't he wasn't a great 
run he wasn't great against the run i mean he's a cornerback so it's not a huge deal he has decent instincts but the size is really going to limit him at the nfl level yeah and his athleticism is decent but nothing that will blow people away at the next level so i i don't really know where his fit is will be in the nfl so i gave it a minus wow so you definitely didn't like that pick at all <laughs> no i just there wasn't i didn't see the need for it and i felt like it was a reach yeah it's just it's hard to find a players that he will match up nicely with because wide receivers are so talented in the NFL. You need guys that either have the instincts or the athleticism or the size to keep up. And unfortunately, he doesn't bring all bring any of those three. It's not that I don't like him as a person or anything. It's nothing personal, John Reed. There's just, Am I hearing I'm, a call out to John Reed? Do we need a do we need to call no, him he, out? Him he ran a four four nine forty. I'm not calling him out. <laughs> John Reed should take some of Evan's comments and put it in his locker or something, some kind of bulletin board material, something to motivate him. Yeah, I don't mind that. If I'm going to be a hater, if I'm the hater that turns into the motivator for players, that's fine by me. I'll take the positives of my comments wherever I can get them. There you go. Their next pick and their last pick, 171st overall in the fifth round, they took Isaiah Coulter, wide receiver out of Rhode Island. There were a lot of Isaiahs taken in this draft. I remember when I was going through, I believe this was like the third and like four teams when I was going through it. Wow. Because I know I'm looking at the Colts. I know they took one. And there was someone else. There were a lot of Isaiahs drafted. He was one of the later ones. None of them were taken too early besides Isaiah Simmons. Oh, yeah. Isaiah Wilson also. A lot of Isaiahs drafted this year. Isaiah was one of the biggest winners of this draft. Just the name. <laughs> so you can't go wrong with that. Just, just on name alone. No. For sure. My grade, I went with a zero. He sure. I mean, he went to Rhode Island. Rhode Island's not a, even a FBS school. He had pretty solid numbers there and you need to be a solid player from one of those schools and even to be looked at in the first place. We saw a lot of guys in the second round who were from these lower division schools who got taken. I get where they're coming from here. Maybe there's the upside, but as we mentioned early that their wide receiver crowd crop is so crowded none of them are maybe star guys but you have five or six decent players and i see him just muddling in with them it's not that i dislike the player or dislike the value of it it's a zero for me which means it's right in the middle there was just not much of a need for it and unless you see the upside of him just breaking out and making your roster but right now you have plenty you just traded for brandon cook you just signed randall cobb to a three-year contract you believe Will Fuller is a guy who you're going to have for a few years. You have Kiki QT and Kenny Stills, who are neither of them are super old. There's just a lot of players that he's going to be competing with, and I just don't see him, at least early on, really making any playing time whatsoever. Sammy? Yeah, I mean, he's 6'2". He has a 4'45", uh, 40 times, so that's, that's pretty nice for a guy his size. If he makes out, I think for him himself, it is a nice fit given that it's just a bunch of receivers who none of them are exactly going to be a true number one. But I believe they have Andre Johnson as their uh, receiver coach and oh, in Houston. He? I believe yeah. I read that some sometime earlier this week, and I thought that was pretty interesting. So okay. at the very least, if he can learn something from him, that'd be cool. But I mean, I'm not going to expect much out of him. It's, it's a C pick for me. It's not really needed, and it's all right. His toughest competition was like Virginia Tech, I think, when he was at URI. I think they played each other once. 
and they were in a prolific passing attack in the last several years. Not since Tyrod. Tyrod Ty- Taylor, shout out. Shout out Tyrod. Johnson, what were your thoughts on this pick? And as we all know, this was a, a draft class that was heavy on the wide receivers, but and I and I would have liked to see them get one of the, uh, a wide receiver earlier. But you know, listening to you, Evan, I think I don't know. I think you kind of swayed me. In, you know, um, <laughs> thinking about who they have currently on the roster. You know, with with Randall Cobb and, and Brandon Cooks. And, so maybe that wasn't really as big of a need. I, mean, I, I I guess that initial shock of losing DeAndre Hopkins made me think like, okay, they have to go get one of these, you know, elite or one of these better wide receivers that are, that are in the draft class. And that was my initial thought. But now that I'm listening to you guys and thinking about it a little bit more, maybe this wasn't the best pick at this point. I'm not sure that. And take nothing away from, from the individual. Again, what I what I'm reading about him, what I understand, you know, he's he's a gifted athlete. I think he's he's pretty big and physical receiver. But I'm not sure if at that at this point in the draft if that is if that's where they wanted to use their pick. So in that regard I'd probably give it about a, a C. The feeling of wanting a top wide receiver is understandable, but we're at one seventy one. You're not getting a top wide receiver yeah. this late in the draft. Right. So, if they wanted maybe that fortieth overall pick if they had taken a guy there yeah. Like Denzel Mims, for example, was available at that time. That would have made more sense. At least you're getting a guy who's going to be a competition to get some starting snaps immediately. Right. Just with the later guys, they could have maybe addressed the linebacking spot or the tight end spot. They still had a couple needs that they maybe should have addressed. Yeah, at this point in the draft, it just sort of feels like a, a bit of a waste of a pick. I don't know. I mean, like the, the more teams that do that, about, we've. We've noticed that teams, a lot of teams waste these late picks for some reason right. where they just don't even hit a position of need or they just take a guy that didn't deserve to be drafted at all. And then there are the certain teams that are smart and take that guy who we valued in the third or fourth round and take him in the seventh round. Right. It's, i just like to make a, a little though. correction. Andre Johnson is apparently a special advisor to the head coach and general manager on the Texans. I'm not sure what that entails, but oh, wow, <laughs> you gotta love these special advisor roles that some of these guys have. <laughs> He's in a group chat with Bill O'Brien, basically, <laughs> just the two of them talk on occasion about the Texans. Oh, maybe uh, that makes sense why they trade DeAndre Hopkins now because Andre Johnson felt threatened about being the best Texans wide receiver at all right, time. Right, right, yeah, maybe. Okay, his records. Were he felt right threatened, so yeah. he for, he he t- he made some comments about. He was like, "I don't think I I have no wide receivers, Bill, and uh, DeAndre Hopkins is not as good as he used to be. You should <laughs> not pay him. You should try to get rid of him, and we need a running back. Right. Running backs are with all the NFLs all in all the rage these days. Yeah." <laughs> Is it is it bad that the first thing I think of whenever I think of Andre Johnson is always the Corlin Finnegan fight? It was a great moment. He just not, absolutely not that, demolishes really. him. <laughs> yeah, that was an all-time moment of the mid-2000s. Uh, now that we got through all the picks and we understand the method behind Bill O'Brien's madness, we'll wrap up we? their draft picks and get final thoughts and grades. Do we really understand that? <laughs> <laughs> well, Andre Johnson's the mastermind. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> he, he's the puppeteer. Bill <laughs> O'Brien's the puppet. Johnson, what were your mm-hmm. final thoughts and grade on the overall draft for the Houston Texans? So overall, I, I think they had a decent draft. I mean, the team is a bit of an enigma to me. 
and I think probably to a lot of people, and I think Bill O'Brien has a lot to do with that, some of the moves that they make. I mean, I was definitely uh, not a fan of, of moving DeAndre Hopkins. I think most people probably agree with that. So, and I don't know, and I think, you know, the draft was okay. I think overall I might give it a B at, at most. I don't think there was anything that was a standout type of wow sort of pick. I think I think they did, you know, what's a B? Right? You did good, right? Is that, that's what a B translates. Right? You, did a, you did a good job. Nothing super, nothing exceptional. Unfortunately for the Texans, you know, and I, and I mentioned this before, they're, they're a team that, you know, consistently is, they've been getting into the playoffs, but they haven't been able to just get over that hump. And I'm not sure that, the moves that they've made, you know, before the draft and the picks that they've acquired are going to help them get over that hump. And as, as we said, you know, you're playing in the conference with, with the Ravens, you have the Chiefs, and within your own division, you have uh, the Titans, who surprised everyone last year. The Colts, you know, made a move with Phillip Rivers. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm not sure that the Texans have, have done enough to, to really stand out. I, I, I would expect that they'll you know get into the playoffs, but they've been doing that. And I think if you're a Texans fan, I think at this point you kind of want a little bit more than that. You at least want to get up to you know the championship game or something like that, if not more. And so in that regard, I don't know that they've accomplished it with the draft. So that's why I'm. it, it was a good draft, but I'm not, they've, they've been a good team. And I think we're looking for a little bit more than good at this point. Yeah, they definitely want to become great and get into that upper echelon of AFC teams, like the teams that you mentioned. Sammy, what were your thoughts on the draft overall? Yeah, I, I lean towards what Johnson's saying. In terms, if you just look closely at just the draft itself and the players they got, I think overall it's a B draft. But when you take into account what they did before the draft and what they did during the draft in trading up and losing cap, they only had five picks. And if they didn't trade anyone, they could have had seven or eight picks and still gotten the five guys they wanted. So I feel like Bill O'Brien was really trying to go deeper in his head. What What's the, what's the line? The inner machinations of my mind are an enigma, you know? I feel like he was having yes. one of those moments, you know, with, with some of these trades. <laughs> Inner making true to the brand of the podcast, of course. <laughs> and when you think about it, the mo- the trades that he made the tr- when he traded up and gave up capital for guys that he could have gotten without having to give up anything, you just got to sit there and think, what exactly is he doing? And yeah. with that in mind, it really lowers this draft because, like Johnson said, you're not sure is this a draft that's supposed to help them elevate them from just being a good playoff team to an actual contender? Or is this a draft that's just keeping things, you know, stay a consistent AFC South winner, and that's really all you're looking for, just to keep your job? Right, right. And, and, I, and I would think, Sammy, that ownership would want a little bit more than that at this point. I don't know. Uh, I was listening to a podcast earlier today where they were saying Bill O'Brien really answers to no one except directly to ownership. And... So I don't know, maybe he's just that in there with them where he just, he just has to do a good job or at least just get into the playoffs and that's it. I don't know. I'm not sure. You know, the, the, the way the, the coaching turnstile works in the NFL, you would think that's not good enough in most cases. But for Bill O'Brien, it seems like that's all he has to do. Yeah, well, there's the issue of Bill O'Brien, the coach, and Bill O'Brien, the GM, where Bill O'Brien, the coach, is a fine coach. 
he's able to elevate his teams to given around what they're expected and not they're not going to overperform, but they typically have not underperformed. Bill O'Brien, GM, is the disaster that everyone likes to make fun of. Right. Because it's hard to evaluate just the picks in itself, as Sammy mentioned, and you have to think about everything else that they did leading up to these picks. But I tried to just stick it to the five picks, and it's hard because there's so few picks to go on. They hit needs in, for me, two, three of the five picks. Nothing spectacular with any of the picks, but nothing really bad. John Reed was the only one I gave a minus for, but I had no pluses either. I'm going to go a little lower than you two. I'll say a B minus because at least they did hit some of their deepest positions of need. They should have probably addressed linebacker. Tight end, I'm totally fine with them not going anything crazy on because if you didn't get one of the like four or five guys you liked, it's understandable just not wanting to waste a pick on one. Not having a first round pick hurts in just as Johnson was talking about in that you can't really have win now players if you don't have win now picks. And because they traded all their picks for win now players, they were without players developed for the future. Very convoluted. As Johnson said, it's in the, they're kind of an enigma in that regard, but the players that they got at least are going to fill positions and needs. And some of them will be able to contribute your one, which is really without a first round pick, what you're hoping for that, we mentioned their first three picks. Two of them, def- the first two picks definitely have the ability to play their first year, and Heck has that ability if Titus Howard plays poorly or gets injured. So you're putting yourself in decent position, and there were no picks that I, none of those picks that I was really upset with. So could have been worse, as you mentioned, but yeah. could have been better. I, th- I think we all kind of, uh, we're in general, I think where we say B, B, B minus, right? So- I think there's a consensus. Yeah, I typically just give lower grades because yeah. I just that's just how I've gone through it the entire time. Where I say a B minus is pretty average. Yeah, compared to a, a B is slight a pretty decent draft. That's about. I think that's all we got. Unless you have anything you want to add, Johnson or Sammy? No, nothing I mean, for me. You know, like like I said, I think being around Texans fans at least once or twice a year down in Houston, I, I know everyone there is kind of just waiting for this team to you know you got Deshaun Watson you had DeAndre Hopkins and but I think everyone is just kind of eager for this team to to make a big move and at least get up to that AFC title game and and I'm not sure what the you know I haven't spoken to anyone down there since the draft but the expectations are still there but the obstacles are also big like I said you got Kansas City you got Baltimore still ahead of you I think it'll be interesting to see I don't know man Maybe the Texans will surprise yeah. us. I'm curious to see what will the repercussions would be if there is either a lack of progress or a regression. If they, for, if for example, they don't win the division and maybe don't even make the playoffs. Although, is this this is the first year they're going to have the seven teams in the playoffs, right? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Good, so good point. That that probably helps him as much as anything that he has a little bit of fallback there. Yeah. But I I, I would be curious if the team just overall takes a step back due to their poor trades and drafts, whether Bill Bryan would uh, have to go move somewhere else or maybe just lose his GM role and keep coach role, even though that never really works. But I'm very curious about that. Johnson, thank you for coming on. I hope you enjoyed your podcast debut. Yeah, it was great. Hey, I really appreciate you guys uh, having me on and I think it went better than I thought, but I definitely enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Sammy. It was great meeting you. Hopefully we get to do this again some other time. Evan, yeah, nice meeting you I'll too. This you. was a lot of fun. Yeah. Evan, I'll see you on the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably tomorrow. <laughs>
Sounds good, guys. <laughs> Sammy. Yeah, Sammy, thanks for coming on as always. Thanks for having me as always. And thank you all for listening. Make sure you subscribe to Firmly Grasp It wherever you listen to your podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Grasp It 2020 for updates. You can email us any for any questions or comments at graspit2020 at gmail.com. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.